0: Hey there, everyone! Welcome to the Spoken Gospel Podcast. Yes, we're glad that you have decided to listen to our voices today.
1: Indeed, <laughs> número. <laughs> What's thirteen in Spanish? I just uh, totally forgot. Uno, dos,
0: tres, cuatro, ocho, cinco, 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 seis, siete, oh, ocho, nueve. 12 twelve, thirteen.
1: Thirteen. Number thirteen. Number thirteen. That was kind of Italian. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Number thirteen. <laughs> you are Italian, so it
0: works. Um, yes, this is numbers thirteen, and we're going to go through fifteen. Yes, because, because. <laughs> we both <laughs> said because, but none of us, are, neither of us, are going to explain it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, because uh we there's like a full cycle that happens. We talked we've talked about this several times. There the, the book of numbers is cyclical and it follows the pattern of commands, disobedience, punishment, and intercession. Yes. And then after the intercession and the punishment, it goes all the way back to commands again. Right. And uh the commands usually have something to do with the disobedience that had just right. taken place. So instead so instead of ending with The intercession, which happens in 14, we thought we would end with the start of a new cycle in 15 because the commands that are given address the disobedience that has just taken place. So it feels more cohesive to end there.
1: And it's also what the Torah does consistently throughout its five books. Like there is some big event of disobedience. And immediately after the disobedience, there's laws that address that disobedience. Mm -hmm. So just like at Sinai, they worship the golden calf. There's a ton of laws about proper worship. Right. And then right after the priests, again, get it wrong, and Nadab and Abihu offer the strange fire, there's a bunch of laws about priests. Yep. And so here we're about to see Israel get it wrong and a bunch of laws after Israel gets wrong. Then next episode it's going to be the priests... Get it wrong. Right. And then there's a whole bunch of laws about priests. And then we're going to see Moses get it wrong. Mm-hmm. And that kind of breaks the cycle a it little does. bit. Yep. But we'll it talk does. But we'll talk about why. Yep. On our 50th episode. On our
0: 50th episode. Moses. Coming up. So BDS 50. Oh, man. Special Getting 50. close. Um, and so the disobedience that happens in this passage in 13 and 14 so like is the most
1: famous disobedience
0: and it's well, and rightfully so it's the worst one. <laughs> uh, and so, uh, I mean like, and like the second one close tie for second is the golden calf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like this one, if you let's think about it. So what's about to happen is they, uh, Israel is about to refuse to go into the promised land. Okay. They're okay. Right. But like, think about the whole Bible so far. You're, you're in Eden. Right? And you get kicked out for sin, and the whole rest of the story
1: trying to is trying back.
0: to get back into the land with God.
1: And so, you're and so much has board. happened.
0: Like, God has done so much to try Santa, to get them to fire, this place.
1: Clouds, plagues, promises to Abraham. Plagues.
0: I mean, think back to Abraham and then the covenant the num- to Isaac. And the book Jacob. of Numbers
1: is legitimately recounting the number of stars in the sky. Yes. Like, it's like all the promises of God are coming true. Yeah. There are cracks, but it's like. Profoundly hopeful that this oh is goodness. actually the new Eden, right? And, and, so and they're, they're there, and it's like they're okay, on the border. Here
0: we go, and then they just don't go in, and they refuse, and like we're going to look at why and the circumstances of it. But just, I just want us to think about the height of this sin because it it it's it's huge and it reverberates. The, or the, like
1: how irrational it is. Let's talk about that. It's like if I had been paying attention to my mm. people's history and i knew that the ultimate good for me was to be in the new eden with the lord. Yeah. Why would i once i'm on the verge of eden right. at the border of eden after seeing not just a lifetime of faithfulness to me but a like an entire history of faithfulness why would i in that moment say you know god can't be trusted now. Right. It just seems so irrational yeah. that you would say I'm not going to do it. Right. I can't do it. I don't trust God, and that's the probably a big thing here. Trust.
0: Trust is huge here.
1: Is the ultimate reason that the author gives for yep. Israel's punishment. The reason they don't enter into the land yep. is disbelief.
0: They just don't have enough. They don't. They don't have faith in God. They that don't he trust God to can keep do His promises. Yeah, exactly. And this disobedience reverberates through the whole Bible, like again and again and again. This is going to come up in book after book of the Old Testament. It talks about um, this sin as the height of unbelief and faith, and it's going to become a paradigm for israel's disobedience refusing to go into canon. Right, right, right. is going to become a paradigm for israel's sin down through the ages all the way to the book of hebrews in the new testament picks this up in three and hebrews three and four to talk about our own disbelief and our own lack of trust in god but now it's whether or not we trust jesus
1: right and so on the border of the new kingdom exactly and we have access into it if uh-huh. we trust right that god will be true to his promises and
0: so th- this is a huge moment in the whole of the bible Um, And I just wanted to like really lean in and go, listen, pay attention. This is a big moment. So what Um, happens? So um, they arrive at the promised land.
1: Verse one. Verse one. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. Yep. Which is actually a little bit different than how Moses describes it in Deuteronomy. Did you know that? Oh, is it? Well, because in Deuteronomy, it says that God commanded them uh, just to go into the land. And here it says he commands them to send spies into the land. Oh, okay. So it's a little bit different. So the idea is that, well, God commanded them to go into the land, and the people said, well, what what about us sending spies into the land? And then Moses goes and prays about sending the spies, and then God says, okay, send the spies. Oh, so is this more of a concession that God makes? That's what I think. It's not mentioned here, but I think when you read both stories together, it's like, oh, their unbelief was actually manifested... Even in the spies early, themselves. In the spies themselves. Yeah, God was like just like, go in blind just go. You know, it's, I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. Yeah, interesting. But again, like God's also making like laws and yep. with his people, he's helping. So, so yep. it could be that like, you know, this is a sound strategic tactic. Right. We should go in and see what the land has to offer yep. and the best way to make the tax regardless. You should know that when you read Deuteronomy 1 that the stories Yeah, are
0: are weaving together. They 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 are kind of like reading um Matthew and Mark.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. It's like
0: it's the same story and they're not competing narratives. They fill in gaps that others leave. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. And so um so then they so they elect 12, right? Isn't it's 12, 12, yeah, 12 one, spies one from every tribe. One from every tribe. And they go in and they spy out the land for 40 days, we find out. Yes. And they come back and they bring some fruit from the land and their initial report is really positive. How
1: big was this cluster of grapes okay, by the way?
0: Okay, I hate this. <laughs> I because was like, in VBS, <laughs> In Sunday school, it was always, like, a big deal that the grapes were huge. But as I was reading this, I was, like...
1: It mentions twice that it was, like, it was time for grape harvest. Yeah. And they bring a branch of grapes carried between two people. So, right. like, was it just, like, a ton of grapes? Or was it, like, VPS giant grapes? I just think... Like, dinosaur To grapes. me, it just
0: in just reading it, right, the plain meaning of the text just looks like it's... I mean, if you if you think about, like, a branch of grapes, like a vine, you right. know and you just put that on a pole and carry it between two people. It just right. seems like a practical way to carry a whole branch of grapes. Right. It doesn't, I could
1: imagine just a big branch of grapes. Yeah, not
0: like. ne- necessarily a big grape where it's like every <laughs> grape is the size of a watermelon.
1: I know this is really cutting deep at the heart. It really is. Of some some people's entire <laughs> like, Christian no! experience. No, the grapes are giant. I it know they were. It was on the felt board. <laughs> <laughs> just no. But they were probably just, just like little champagne grapes. Just normal grapes. Little normal grapes. But the fact is there are grapes little and red. there
0: there are healthy vineyards in the land. Yeah. That's what's, That's the point is that the land sustains life and the grapes are good. And so the initial report's really good. They they say, uh, let's see, where, where do they, where's the first report? It's in verse 17,
1: right? Is it? No, 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 no. That's verse 25. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, they go in. It's like, here's what we're going to do. And they talk about, I thought this was interesting. Okay. Verse 19. It's like, this is what they're going to do. And we're going to find out whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, or whether the cities they dwell in are camps or strongholds, whether oh, right. Is rich or poor, the trees are good or not. And they like have all these opposites that mm-hmm. go throughout the whole thing. And I was like, this is just a, such a strange way to like talk about – it felt felt poetic almost. Oh, they yeah, always yeah, yeah. like went to the highest thing that they could and the lowest thing mm-hmm. they could. It wasn't like, we're going to go out and find a strategic battle plan. It's, right. let me poetically describe to you what's happening. And I was trying to figure out why. Yeah. Is I it good it. or
0: bad? Are they are they in little REI pinched tents or are they behind fortified walls? Are it's they like... strong or are they
1: weak? Are they few or yeah. are they many? They can't, can't just be normal. It's like,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It so does sound
1: like kind of poetic. I don't know why that was the case. Uh, what, what's it or...
0: called when it's like,
1: Amerism, uh, I mean, a
0: a maybe it's a merism where maybe. it's like you know, uh, from the rising to the setting sun doesn't mean only in the morning and only at night. It's right, right, right. in between everything. So it's like maybe it's a merism where it's 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 saying like. We're going to find out if they're a zero – on a scale of zero to ten, how strong are they? I don't know. It could anyway. be. Anyway, so they go in and they bring back word and they said they came into the land that you sent us. And this is verse 27. It flows with milk and honey and this is its
1: fruit. Is milk and honey actually what's in it? No. Okay.
0: <laughs> so this is a metaphor. So uh, I th-
1: I was, I was, it's got to be a metaphor. It's a
0: metaphor. And so milk is talking about it flowing with milk. What makes milk? Like pigs. Goats? <laughs> yeah, goats, <laughs> all Cattle. Yeah, lives, milk? Lives, cashew milk. Lives, no, they didn't have cashew milk. Are you sure? No.
1: <laughs> they could have had cashews. But
0: anyway, what, what's happening is they. it's saying that like there's so much livestock that the milk is flowing. It's like rivers of milk. Right. And there is so much produce from the land. and the beer flows like Oh, my wine. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> is that Dumb and dumbness oh, <laughs> and, uh, and there's so much uh, livestock and or, – or, sorry. There's so much produce to the land that, it, like, it, it's honey. Like, there's like, there's so much there. There's just it's, – it's, it's, it's fertile. There's
1: bees everywhere.
0: The flowers are being Exactly. The, cro- the crops will never die. Yep. It's just a land flowing with lots of produce and livestock is what this means. Okay. Um, and th- And here, here's some of its fruit. Uh, however, uh, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large, which those are answers to some of the questions that they went, is right. the land good or bad? It's good. Are the trees good or bad? They're good. Okay. What well, about that, the, what about the questions of the people? But they're strongholds. Do, they, do they, many are them. they strong or weak? Do they live in fortified cities or tents? And are they small or large? Well, we found out that it's the, the latter on all three of those. Mm. They are strong in fortified cities and they're large. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then he says, and besides all that, we saw some of the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites uh, dwell in the land. And so the, the citizens Tons of... Anak.
1: Anak. I remember as a child mm-hmm. reading Frank Peretti novels. Oh, yeah. And so there was one about the tomb of Anak. And oh, really? It was this race of giants. And they went down to this d- dark yeah. tomb. And it was like terrifying yeah. for a well, 13-year-old. The, that's
0: read. what he's getting at here, actually, is that Anak is, is like Hebrew like a uh, metaphor kind of like slant rhyme for giant oh okay and so he's there there are these large people there okay and um we should we should really think about like goliath in this sit- right. scenario he was like
1: nine foot tall yeah
0: yeah so it's like big dude
1: right or could it have been just been like they were like danish people like six yeah, foot just, tall yeah
0: just tall danish people
1: <laughs> because I've, I've also heard like there's not a ton of archaeological evidence to suggest that there was just a whole race of giants right it was so, just like yep. maybe it was just like because I think the average height of people has been growing steadily over time. Yep. That's what they it was say. It's like if everybody was like in Israel was like four five foot five, foot. Foot, you know, <laughs> four foot five, five six, and then you walk in and a, there's a seven foot person. It's like six and a, a half. a bunch of a bunch of thunder players, a bunch yeah. of you know, yeah, like yeah, yeah. basketball players walking around. You're like, oh my gosh, right? They're giants. Yes,
0: I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay, and so um and so Caleb um comes before Moses, and he's the he's the only one of the twelve who is like, we can do this, right? And so he comes, he's like, let's go take the land. God is with us. Let's overcome it. Um, nothing can stop us. But the other 11 of the spies that went in aren't so sure. They have Joshua they never went with them. No. He was but, just
1: like, he's Moses' right-hand man. That's and right. He takes the side of Caleb.
0: Yep, he has played the role of a faithful companion to Moses when everybody else was faithless. And so that's why he gets lumped in here with kind of the, the, the righteousness of Caleb.
1: Do you want to hear something fun about Joshua? 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 Who? Joshua? Yes, sure. So verse uh, 13, 16. Yeah, the Hosea thing. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, these were the names of the men who Moses sent out to spy the land, and Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Right. And so Hosea just means like salvation. Yep. And Joshua is actually Yahshua, which means God saves. Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. And Yeshua is, is actually Jesus. Jesus yeah. is Jesus's name. Yep. Anyway, yeah. I thought that was fun. I was like, oh, I Jesus, it. God say, oh man, that's Jesus. Anyway, yeah, I thought it was fun.
0: So you could all, so. Hosea, Ye- Yeshua, 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 Ye- Yeshua, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so Caleb tries to tell the people that they can go in, it's going to be great. But um, there were other people, the other 11 uh, were afraid and they thought that they couldn't go in and take the land. And so they spread a bad report. Um, which has like some, some connotation in the Hebrew of like gossip and slander. Um,
1: and so it's like it's like a false report. Yes. So in verse 14, it says, And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, Would that we have died in the land of Egypt or would that we have died in the wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to land to just fall by the sword? Yeah. So this is one, again, a question questioning Moses' leadership, just like it was... previously and it's also a repetition of the same complaint we see over and over again in the book of numbers it was better in egypt it was better in egypt it was better in egypt and it's counted as disbelief and so it manifests itself here then as this false report this bad report yeah the word
0: word in hebrew is deba, and uh everywhere else it's 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 written it's like translated like as a rumor or slander or gossip or whispering and so it is like this secret rumor slander that's happening among the camp. And when, and sure enough, when we find it uh, and we hear what they've been saying, what, what the gossip train has been chugging, right. you know, yeah. we, we see that everything about the report, all the bad stuff gets completely hyperbolically highlighted and all the good stuff gets trampled on and made bad. Well, there's right?
1: actually no mention of good stuff in here. No,
0: yeah, well, well it t- talks about the land, right? The land. So the land is no longer flows with milk and honey. It says that the land devours its inhabitants. <laughs> it's, it's not a land of cattle and bees. It's a land of gaping gorges that swallow you up like the Sarlacc pit from Return of the Jedi. That's what's happening. It's <laughs> just a land of Sarlaccs. It's <laughs> just a land of Sarlaccs. And then, so not only do they say the land's not good, but the people are the people aren't it's not even that they're just like tall danish people
1: (laughs) now he says they're the descendants of the nephilim which if you remember all the way back to our genesis 6 episode are like one of the theories that these half demon half like human hybrids that are just like yeah
0: like like, it's like it's like hercules
1: hercules yeah oh it's like the demonic fall like the angelic fall it's like they are the origin of evil in the world. And so it's like it's not just giants. It's demons. These are the these
0: are the half men, half god legends of old. Yeah, Hercules is in there. We can't beat him right. up. And so they're like lying to the people and they're saying like it's like there's no way we can win. Uh and we don't even want to go in because it's a terrible land. So they're just lying to everyone. And trying to get them, and
1: that's when the people grumble and say, "Yes, guys, you're just trying to kill us." Yep, exactly. And so they, right. all the questions of Moses' leadership have already been happening mm-hmm. when they hear this false report, bad report, rumor report. They're like, "See, it confirms all of our suspicions." Yep,
0: which is really interesting. They listen to the lie of the people over the promises and truth of God, right? Which is like a really good practical life warning. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. how often do we just be like, I mean. It just makes sense what these people are saying versus what God has said in his word. You know, it's like, that's right. just, we we very often take man's right. word I mean, over God's word. I
1: mean, that's the whole point, part of the whole point, like, of this passage is like, do you trust the Lord at his word? Right. Even when it doesn't look like it's true, even when you don't understand how it could possibly come about. Did Adam and Eve trust God at his word? No. No. Did Moses trust, did mm. Abraham trust God at his word? no right with hagar does the people of israel trust god his word no No. soon will the priest trust god at his word no Mm. will moses trust god his word just believe the promises no no they always have to do more try to get it by their own hand or try to bail out so here they try to bail out and say like we're not going to do it and in just a second they're going to try to they're going to presume it's like the flip side of disbelief yep one type of disbelief (laughs) makes you do nothing the other type of disbelief makes you try to gain God's blessings without him. Yes. Or, you, or you assume you could do it without him. Right. So, yeah, unbelief. S- unbelief. Distrust in God's promises.
0: Okay, and so the people have refused to go in, and now God um, comes and talks to Moses and says that he is going to punish the people. Here's what he says. The Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me, faithlessness, in spite of all the signs that I've done among them? So I will strike them with pestilence and disinherit them, and I will make of you, speaking to Moses, a nation greater and and mightier than they. So God is saying, um, they don't believe in me, so I'm going to uh, send a plague out that will kill them. And then, not only that, I'm going to disinherit the people of Israel. Right. No longer will they be my people. Yeah. Instead, Moses, I'm going to choose you, my one faithful person, yeah. and out of you, I'm going to build a whole nation. Right. That's then, going to be bigger and mightier than Israel ever would have been.
1: And Moses responds to that by saying, "Lord, don't do that. Right. Don't disinherit your people, because if you do, you're going to prove the Egyptians right and the Canaanites and the Canaanites right that you just brought us out here to kill us. Mm-hmm. Like if you kill us now, all the grumbling that's been going on in the camp by the mixed multitude." is going to come true. Well, actually now it used to be the mixed multitude and now the entire camp is, all the congregation is raising a loud voice. Like everyone, you're just going to confirm everyone's suspicions about you that you just brought us out here to kill us.
0: Yep. And so, yeah, he's he's like, this will hurt your fame among the nations. Uh, And so then Moses repeats to God the long form name that God originally spoke to Moses in the cleft of the rock.
1: You said you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression. So don't, So be that. Be that. Be that to me. Yep. And, he's, and I think it's interesting,
0: though, he also remembers to say all of it. And he's he like, does. but you also said that you will by no means clear the guilty. You visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. But please pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. You've been forgiving up till right. now. Continue to be so. Um, and like, and so we got to talk about a few things here. Yeah.
1: There's a couple things
0: going on. What let's talk, let's, let's go meta first. Um, it sounds like Moses is changing God's mind.
1: Yeah. I've always wondered like, what's actually like, Mm -hmm. what role is Moses actually really playing here? Is he actually staying God's hand? Right. It was God actually going to
0: disinherit Israel.
1: And if he wasn't. Was his claim that he was going to just false or a lie? A lie, yeah. just a
0: threat, right? An empty threat. Yeah. So, like so. Okay. So let's let's remember. Um, I remember
1: one time somebody asked Wayne Grudem this question. Oh yeah, and he said, "I don't know."
0: Oh no, <laughs> we're gonna try to answer a question that Wayne Grudem said, "I don't know." To that's horrible. For anyone who doesn't know, Wayne Grudem is a systematic theologian who has written the book on systematic <laughs> theology. <Yes. laughs> it's like one of the most used textbooks in all of seminary world. Anyway, um, so. Uh, let's try to answer what Wayne Grudem decided to wisely pass on. <laughs> yes. Um, so we're not that wise. <laughs> this we're not. We were fools for trying to answer. Um, so this is not the first time this has happened. Right? The, right, Really, the first time this has happened was um, back with Abraham when God was going to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he, told, he tells Abraham, and God says, far be it from you, Lord, to sweep away the righteous with the wicked. And if you remember, God, he said, if you find 50 righteous people, will right. you still destroy it? And, and God says no. And he goes all the way down to if God found just 10 righteous people in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, he would, he would save Sodom and Gomorrah Based on the righteousness of those ten people, and so did he. Also did uh, that Exodus thirty two. He again we yeah. again there's a negotiation yeah. with the golden calf. Yep. Um. Well, I wanted to finish my okay. Genesis thing. Sorry, so, sister, sorry. Uh, so, so, so uh, what's interesting is God's promise comes true still, right? He ends up um, punishing Sodom and Gomorrah because there aren't ten righteous people. So God's like, right. I mean, I'll give you this concession, Abraham, but you're wrong there, wasn't anybody <laughs> there won't be a righteous person there and
1: all the righteous people that were in the city actually escaped. actually escaped right.
0: exactly right but there weren't 10 there was and and lot wasn't necessarily righteous he saved lot because of abraham's righteousness right anyway uh Just so then like
1: we're saved by jesus yes that's yep read the spoken gospel devotional
0: <laughs> it's in there so then with the golden calf in exodus 32 the same kind of thing happens god says my anger is burning hot against the people i will surely destroy them and Moses intercedes, and so God stays his hand for a little bit. But then Moses goes down, and he sees what's happening with the golden calf. He's equally enraged, right. and he ends up calling the Levites to his side to bring about a punishment on the people with the sword. And then after all that, God still brings another punishment through a plague on the people, just as he promised it would. Okay. And so what we're seeing here, real quickly, is that there are two sides to... Um, to this this story that god does punish and that god does forgive and the intercession is at the center of it and that's kind of what moses that was reminding god god you are forgiving and merciful but you also by no means will clear the guilty how can right. god clear the guilty and not clear the guilty it seems like it right it doesn't can make you s- can
1: forgive and not clear the yeah. guilty at the same time
0: and it's like because you can only forgive guilty people right, right. exactly <laughs> and so here we we see a picture of it right and in all of these stories we see a picture of it it's that God allows for intercession to make a way for forgiveness for a guilty people, but not every single person is interceded for. So in this case, it's the older generation ends up receiving a curse and they end up being punished. Uh, it starts with the 12 uh, or I guess the eleven spies right, who or went or in or and spread the right. false report—they die of pestilence just as God promised. Right. And then the whole rest of the book of Numbers is the older generation dying off in the wilderness
1: because for each year, for each day, day that yep. they were in the wilderness and decide to distrust God's promise, they experience one year of yep. wandering, wandering in, in the desert. Yep.
0: Until they all, until all their bodies lie dead, and then the younger generation who has been inter- interceded for. They right. will come and they will inherit the promised land. And that's okay. what happens at the end of Deuteronomy and into Joshua, the younger okay, so generation comes Let's in.
1: rewind all the way back to why we were asking this question. Yes. The question was, did is, God change his mind? Did God change his mind? And I think what I hear you saying here is like, that actually might be the wrong question to ask. Yes, that's not the question moment. the text is asking. The text, the question is asking right now is, how does God's people get into the new Eden? Mm-hmm. And over and over again what we're finding is that the people are not the type of people that can get in. Like <laughs> right. right. It's yes. like over and it's over It's less about the
0: character of God in this text and more about the character of the people. Right. Yep. And
1: over and over again we're we're seeing that there's a pattern being set up that if they want to even make the journey to the New Eden, they have to be interceded for. Yep. Over and over yep. and over again. Think about Leviticus. Think about Leviticus. All like the sacrifices. The people don't have a character necessary to enter into the new Eden without the aid of an advocate before mm-hmm. the father and intercessor before God. Right. And Moses continues, continues to act like that while the people sin and disobedience and ultimately just distrust right. gets greater and greater. So what we're really asking here is like, did God change his mind? So what we're saying is like, it's not really did God change his mind? It's like, are the people changing their hearts? <laughs> yeah, and the answer is no. Is it no? Right. And actually, God is not changing his mind either no. because he continues to be merciful to the people and still is drawing to the, them to the new Eden despite the fact that over and over and over again they prove that not only the laws are insufficient to save them, but Moses' intercession is unable to save them from themselves. Yep. So he continues to give mercy. He continues to say things like, okay— I'll give you I'll give you the manna that you want. Yep. Moses prayed for it. I'll give you the quail that you want. I'll give you the water that you want. Mm-hmm. And then he'll start punishing at the same time. So, okay, yep. this these people have proven their distrust to such an extent that they must pass away. But there are some of you still who are faithful. Mm-hmm. And here what God says is actually there's no one faithful left in the camp. <laughs> right.
0: Not even Moses.
1: well, he says he says Moses, I'm going to wipe out everybody except, oh, except you. you. Yeah. So he's so God's response is I will continue to be faithful to my people, but my people are one.
0: Yeah. You. Yeah. The one faithful person I can find.
1: Right. You and Joshua and Caleb and yeah. Aaron. Like, yeah. That's it. Like you got four <laughs> left. Right. <laughs> it's like, that. that's it. Yep. And then Moses comes back and says, no, don't do that. You will be seen by others to be unfaithful. Mm-hmm. So that's actually apologetic. Like it's an apologetics yep. move on the part of Abraham. He's saying like, or Moses, or Moses yep. sorry, like don't give them an opportunity to malign you. Right. Show them that you actually do continue your promises mm-hmm. by saving them right. and judging them at the same time. Right. So God, he's kind of asking God for the impossible yep. and then God does it. He said, okay, the generation that is morally understands what they're doing, they will pass away in the, the wilderness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those that are younger Will see my land, right? And we'll repeat the process of intercession and sacrifice once we get mm-hmm. there.
0: And, and that's what God promised would happen, in right? The, in the very beginning, He He was like, "I'm going to disinherit and punish, but I'm also going to save," and that's what ends up happening. Right. So God's not changing His mind, right? And Moses, what, what what in all these in all these dialogues that either Abraham or Moses or or whomever have with God. What the human character gets to do is be the mouthpiece um, of God's mercy. And like, and, so you're saying, like, yeah.
1: Moses is repeating back who God already is. Right. And what God is. So we were kind of saying, like, it's, how do you, how can you be guilty? Yeah. How can God like punish the guilty, but also pardon the guilty at the same time? Like, how can you do that? Mm-hmm. So, like, for us, there's a tension there. And then when God speaks one side of the equation, Moses speaks the other. It's That's like, right. God says, I must punish the guilty. Uh-huh. And then Moses says, no, you must protect the guilty. Yeah. You must pardon the guilty. Right. And then it's like, it seems they're at loggerheads, but really they're just speaking out of both sides of God's mouth mm-hmm. in the best possible way. In the way. best possible yeah. way. Yeah. Because that
0: God does both. Right. God must always forever punish the guilty, but God also in his Grace and mercy provides intercession for people so that they will not be punished.
1: And so the book of Numbers is telling us the way that God punishes the guilty and God pardons the guilty is through intercession. Mm-hmm. It's through prayer. And so that's what we're seeing over and over and over again. The only way that when a holy God confronts sin, the only way that that stops
0: is at any a, point yeah, is through intercession. Is through intercession. Right. Somebody
1: standing between, between. and saying. Please, Lord, yep. stay true to your promises. Stay mm-hmm. true to your promises. Stay true to your promises. And that's Moses in this. Yep.
0: But then he ultimately fails to do this and I mean, and we'll jump ahead. And he, he even he doesn't get to intercede for himself and go into the promised land. And so we have to see that in Jesus though, we have a new and better intercessor who never fails to intercede for us before the Father. And he is constantly there, um, Making intercession for
1: us, pleading with God to not give us what we deserve. Because the punishment Mm -hmm. has already been paid. That's right. So in this situation, it's like the people have done something wrong and the punishment hasn't been dealt yet. Yep. And the mercy hasn't come yet, right? Yep. And so it seems like, yeah,
0: so it seems like there's this tension and dichotomy. Yep. But
1: in Jesus, there's never tension because God's um, holiness has responded to sin in Jesus fully and finally. Yep. So there's no tension between God pardoning the guilty right. and punishing mm-hmm. the guilt. Yeah, because it's already taken care of. Right. So Jesus continues mm-hmm. to does that. That's it's really for good. us. Yeah. And then the Holy Spirit does it in us. In because us. Because I think the other side of it. So there's this objective sense like God does it on the outside. Mm-hmm. It's paid for. Right. But there's also the other sense like we're still not the people that Israel demands <laughs> right. that we be. Right. And I think it's fascinating that throughout this narrative that caleb is said to have a different spirit yeah it's so such a strange little than the rest of everybody else but it goes back to what we just saw in when the spirit falls on the Mm -hmm. elders and moses is crying out for a different type of people Mm -hmm. that would i wish everybody would just prophesy and be filled with god's spirit right we need a whole we need to be people filled with the holy spirit yep if we are to one experience the trust if we're actually to trust the lord yep but two, to actually experience the knowledge that we are advocated for. That's the other side of it. Like we're not certain that God actually loves us, Mm -hmm. that God is actually for us. Yeah, we're always doubting that. our guilt is actually been paid for. Right. And so the Holy Spirit not only convinces us to trust the Lord, but also convinces us that the Lord is for us. Yeah.
0: It's so true. And I love that we get to see here um, the insufficiency of Moses' intercession because Moses intercedes for the people, and yet what happens right after it? Yes, the promise extends to the younger generation, but But not everybody escapes the That's punishment. right. That's right. The older generation ends up dying in the wilderness. The eleven spies end up dying on the spot. And like that that is a different kind of intercession that Jesus makes. When Jesus makes intercession. There's no remainder for the people for whom he's interceding. Like he takes care of all of the punishment, all of the wrath. There's nothing left over.
1: And he makes everyone filled with the spirit. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a different spirit. They're all, and they don't do what Israel does. Israel is about to presume upon their ability to grab God's promise for themselves Mm -hmm. and enter into the promised land. God says, okay, we're done. You're punished. Leave. Go back into the wilderness, and what does everybody do? They try to take the land for themselves. Oh right, yeah, right. Like they try to take the land for themselves without God, and then God, and then they die in the battle because yeah. God is not with them.
0: Right, yeah, they, yeah. They pres- they're like, I love it. It's so funny. They're like, okay, we're going to be punished because we didn't enter the land. Uh, that's scary, and we just saw the eleven spies die. Okay, God, never mind. We can fix this. Right, we can fix this. Let's go, guys. Let's get it. Let's Which get this troop together.
1: They, they don't understand what's happening no the point is unbelief not you don't believe god will keep keep his word right and he said he was going to get you into the promised land yep and you didn't believe that then he said he's going to punish you and you don't believe that so you're going to go into the promised land anyway so
0: true and i just i think it's such a vision of legalism in this in this passage right where it's like okay so i'm going to be punished by god unless i do because i didn't do what he told me to do right and so how what's the remedy for that let me just do what he told me to do right. in my own power, you know, like without him being with me. And so I'm going to follow all the rules. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to make it right. right. I'm going to make this relationship right. But without the different spirit. But without a different spirit, and and all that ends up bringing is death. They die in Canaan. Yeah. They it ends up being part of their punishment. Their their obedience, their pseudo obedience to God, ends up being their punishment. Right. And like that's the life we live when we try to. Um, we try to be in a right relationship with God and absolve ourselves of guilt by doing good works apart from his, apart from his spirit. Right. And it's like, we have to get the relationship with God right first that yeah. he, he's not asking for actions first and foremost. He's, he's asking, asking for, for trust. faith, trust. And so for us today, this is a huge lesson that the very first thing we need to do in our relationship with
1: God is have faith. Is, do you trust him? Do you him trust him to be true to his promises? Yeah. Do you believe that all the promises of God are yes and amen in Jesus Christ? Yes, and so be it. Do you believe that God is before you, Jesus is before you convincing the Lord that the punishment has been paid for and that you should receive only mercy? Mm -hmm. Are you convinced that God actually loves you and has good intentions for you and that his commands are for your benefit? If you don't trust God at that word, you do not have the different spirit. And all the obedience in the world will end up only being death to you. That's exactly right. (laughs) I would rather you just know that Mm -hmm. and then just live a life of eating and drinking because tomorrow you will die. Then try to pretend to be religious, thinking that's somehow better. No, it's absolutely right. So what we're saying is Mm -hmm. that the entire Bible, in one sense, is leading up to the borders of Canaan. Like, oh, yes. Like, right. So the, far, the whole Torah. Yep. So the t- we left the Garden of Eden, yep. and we're trying to get back to it. And right now, we get to the very edge of it, right. and we're asked the same question Adam and Eve were asked in the Garden of Eden. Will you trust oh, right. me at my word? <laughs> right. Yes. This yes. is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, Definitely. asked again to a new generation. Definitely. And they reject it. Right. They reject Canaan. Yep. They reject God. They reject God. Yeah. They reject his word. And so what happened? And so this so this is the pattern of the whole Old Testament. Right. And it's the same pattern in Jesus. Right. Jesus comes as the new Adam, God Himself. The fulfillment of the whole Old Testament. He tells everyone that He's bringing a new kingdom, Mm -hmm. a new Eden, a new um, garden. Right. And what do people do? They reject Him. They reject Him. They're offered the same choice. Do you trust me at my word when I say that I am bringing a new kingdom, that I am the Son of God? And they say, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is, I think. The author of Hebrews picks up on this, right? He does. Yeah, it's really,
0: it's crazy. I love whenever the New Testament does basically what we do on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, Surprisingly, passages, we passages, got our idea yeah. from the Bible. <laughs> passages like this are like the foundation for how we interpret scripture. Um, because he says that the disobedience, this is Hebrews 3 and 4. Uh, the author of Hebrews. Chapter 3,
1: 3 and 4? Uh, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter.
0: chapters 3 and 4. Oh, okay. Both yeah, chapters. it's a long argument that he plays out. And so we can't get into all of it. Um, But basically what he says is the disobedience and the lack of faith and the hard heart that Israel had at the border of Canaan that made them not enter into their rest in Canaan is the same decision we have today. And he's making the same leap that we're making. He's saying that there is a rest that remains in Jesus today. There's a Sabbath rest. There's a there's a Garden of Eden. There's that a new Canaan rest. That's right. That that waits for us today. And so he says, "Don't do what Israel did when whenever they um, grew hard hearted and didn't have faith. He's like, don't right. do that. And, and he's not talking about any kind of action here. He's talking about just don't lose your faith, trust. Don't, the Lord yeah, at Don't his word. lose your trust. And so he says that a Sabbath rest remains for the people of God. For whoever has entered into God's rest has also rested from his work as God did from his. And so he's saying that like Jesus has done everything. He is He's completed all the work and there is a rest in the land for you. And what I need you to do, guys, is believe it. Trust in it that there's a rest that Jesus has earned for
1: you and like don't lose heart. And that's right. all he's saying is like Canaan is before you. You will assume that the way to enter into the rest is to work for it. Exactly right. You're going you're to going assume to, you're going to go, and that it needed. there needs to be five days of work in order to get two days of weekend oh, rest. Right? right yeah, like yeah. you assume that you need to earn right. your
0: vacation. Yeah, you need to go and take the land by your own strength.
1: But the message of the Bible is that the Lord fights for you, mm-hmm. and if you trust Him to do so, all your enemies will be scattered, the land will flow with milk and honey, and you will have
0: rest. Yeah, and I love that, like. The, the, the means by which we are to keep our hearts from hardening and the way that we keep our faith spurred up right after he, he says this, that what I just read about the Sabbath rest verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest, right? Like there's no more work to do but let's work to enter. It. It's like, wait, what? And here's how listen to this. Let us strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience that Israel did. Okay. And here's how for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two edged sword piercing the division of soul and spirit joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight. All are naked and exposed before his eyes before whom we must give an account. Mm-hmm. So like, how do we spur our hearts along to not become hard trust God at At his His word. word. Like, (laughs) like do what we're doing right now. Rehearse the story of the Bible. Like he's saying like the word of God, the scriptures that he is referring to and showing us Jesus in is a sword that will pierce your heart. Right. And so like reflect on the disobedience that we see here
1: and let it correct you. I've never thought about this passage in connection. I, always, I hear this passage all the time. Oh, definitely. But I, f- I forget that it's in this narrative is. about Israel dying by the sword mm-hmm. and us being the two-edged sword <laughs> yep. that's sharper and more powerful is actually the word of the Lord yep. on our hearts.
0: And and like we can't escape from We're all naked and exposed. We're going to have to give an account before God. And so the, the sword of God's word is going to come to us one way or the other. Right. It's going to come to us as condemnation. And it's going to punish us and be our death like it was in in, in Exodus 32. It's, or it's
1: going to change our hearts and right. be, make us the people who can enter the land. Right. And just think about when trust is the bedrock of the relationship, it, it fundamentally changes what obedience looks like. Oh, definitely. So I was. So I, I've been studying Hosea. Oh, right. Yep. And so Hosea kind of reimagines Mount Sinai and the giving of the Ten Commandments like a wedding day. Mm. And so he essentially says that the the Ten Commandments are actually the Ten Vows of Israel. Oh. Okay. So like on a wedding day, like he's like, these are God says, I'll protect you, I'll provide a new land for you, I'll love you, I'll yep. rescue you, and Israel responds by saying. I promise Mm -hmm. that you'll be my only God. I promise that there will be nobody else for me. I promise to be faithful to you in my money and in my Mm. relationships. Like It's wedding vows. Yeah, wedding vows. And I don't normally talk about this with like, I don't normally talk about obeying my wife. Oh, yep. But like I'm obeying my marriage vows to her all the time. Oh, true. Yeah. But I love it. Right. Because my heart is for her. Yeah. My marriage vows are Vows mm-hmm. and they're not they're laws. They're laws. Yeah, but I keep them with joy. Yes. So when what we're talking about here is that the Lord chain fundamentally when we trust Him at His word that His work that the work is done that He's done it for us. His word and His laws are actually a joy for us to keep. Yes. In the same way, it's a joy for me to keep the wedding vows I've made yeah, to my wife. That's beautiful. I really like that. Speaking of laws. <laughs> The very next thing that happens is a list of seven laws. Mm-hmm. Um, so as we've said before, the idea is that people disobey and new laws are added after that to address what just happened. Right. And so the, the really easy way to read this is like some of them are new laws. Some of them are old laws reimagined. Yep. But there's seven and they lead up to a story. So the seventh law, so there's six laws. The seventh law is, the sto- is a law against high-handed or like defiant sin. Mm-hmm. So what did Israel just do at the border of Canaan? A very high-handed sin. A very sin. high-handed. They knew what was required of them and they said, mm, better not. Twice. Twice. <laughs> so it's like, okay, here's all the laws. The, the The climax of the seven laws is a high-handed sin. Yep. And then you have a story of a man picking up sticks on the Sabbath. Right. And we know that work is already disallowed on the Sabbath by reading Leviticus, but like, picking up sticks. Does that work? We don't really know. what were the
0: sticks for is debated.
1: And so like Moses goes and asks God, like, what should we do with this man? And God says, kill him. Yep. Stone him. Right. Which is like, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. What? But apparently whatever he was doing constituted a high-handed sin Mm -hmm. and it was a violation of God's commands just like entering into the Sabbath rest was also a violation of the command. So you should be seeing like high-handed sin connected to the Sabbath with the uh, man in the sticks, mm-hmm. high-handed sin entering into Canaan, high-handed sin not entering the Sabbath rest. Like these things are parallel to one another. Exactly. Yep. The point is, if you, the point is do not commit high-handed sins.
0: Right. Which a high-handed sin is knowing what you ought not to do and like, doing it anyway. Like defiant. Right. Like Yep. I know this is wrong and I'm going to do the opposite. Yep.
1: And so there's this microcosm. Like the Lord says never commit a high-handed sin even among picking up sticks you've done it on a much grander scale here's it in a mm-hmm. smaller scale so that's what the laws are doing that's what's happening right here yeah and there's something
0: far more positive happening too yeah is that god is saying things like when you enter the land here's how to offer your your like first fruits of your harvest he's, to like, me, he's promising that you'll go back there you're one going day. back so he's promising not not only the new generation will enter the land like i promised but there's going to be harvests and you're going to have so much that you can offer these first fruit sacrifices without it hurting you. It is
1: funny, like right after the af- right after the judgment, he says, okay, here's some laws for 40 years from now. Yep. So it is hopeful. It's very hopeful. But it's also reminding them, do not repeat the same mistakes mm-hmm. once you get there. Right. You're going to forget yep. that you committed a high-handed sin and did not enter into the rest. So my last law to you here is, do not commit a high-handed sin on the day of rest. Right. Do not do that. <laughs> yeah. Please do not. And then at the very end, there's a law about tassels. Yes. Which is so fascinating. And it's this idea that you make these tassels on your hats and in the corner of your garments. Mm-hmm. And the idea is every time you see it, you're reminded of God's law. And yep. so, the, the, and they kind of represent everything that's happening right now. The tassels are reminders of God's law, just as mm-hmm. these laws are reminders of God's character in nature. It's mm-hmm. like, this is what you are like. This yep. is what I am like. So, let's put that before you every time you walk around. Every time you put on your clothes, every time you put on your shirt, every time you see somebody else's shirt, you're reminded God has commanded things for us to enter into his rest.
0: Yep. And like in, in, uh, in this set of laws with about the tassels in 1539, it says uh, have these there so you don't go astray so that you will not um, follow the lust of your own heart and your own eyes. And these are the same Hebrew terms used in the spy narrative. So it says oh. to go spy out the land is the same word so you don't spy out your own heart and then True. the same word for um, uh, so you so you don't whore after their gods is so you don't follow after your own eyes it's the same mm. words so he's saying don't let what you did in Canaan happen internally in your own heart
1: how will how will you prevent the same thing happening mm-hmm. by keeping the law before you right by keeping the law before you how do you prevent this type of disobedience keep the law before you which is exactly what Paul says. In Galatians three nineteen, mm. he says the reason the law was added was because of transgressions. <laughs> so, mm. like you have a transgression, right. and then the law was added right. to stop that transgression. But he says it was not until the seed comes that transgressions are paid for, right. and the law actually
0: does its work. It can actually come into the your law heart.
1: is not just on the outside. Remind like reminders on the outside. Mm-hmm. There's an internal reminder. The Holy Spirit reminding you constantly. Of the Lord, is character, and who you are. Blue tassels on your heart. Blue tassels on my heart. <laughs> Band name. Band name. <laughs>
0: um, There's also a lot of really interesting, like, um, reversal happening in 14 and 15 that I just want to point out. Because mm-hmm. I think it's, it's literarily beautiful. And it also just shows how God, God's um, punishment and correction and commands are always appropriate and proportionate. Okay. And so you think about what Israel complained about, right? They said... Oh, that we would have died in the wilderness, right? And and he, and he, they say like, now we now we're we're gonna die out here, and our children are gonna die, and they're not gonna be able to enter the wilderness, and all this stuff, and um and God ends up giving them. In, his, in their punishment, what they were grumbling about. He said, oh, you wish you would have died in the wilderness instead of entering Canaan? Great, here you right. go. You can die in the wilderness. And oh, you thought your kids were going to die in the wilderness? Actually, it's your kids that
1: I'm going to let into the promised land. Well, answer me a question here. Yep. Then. So when Moses repeats the name of God, mm-hmm. he says, I will surely not pardon the guilty, even to the third and fourth generations. Mm-hmm. So we just said back in the last section that God's not doing two different things. He's right. doing one thing. Yep. But he literally did two different things. Yep. He, his name is that he won't pardon the third and fourth generation, second, third, fourth generation. But here he does. Yep. So it's, Yeah, it's because so we're not talking
0: about numbers. We're talking, so you have to take the whole name of God together. He says that he forgives to a thousand generations, but will not pardon to the third and fourth. So it's a, it's a measure of degree. He's saying that his forgiveness is a thousand times greater than his punishment. Hmm. He said, so he's saying, so it's not saying like once we hit the fourth generation, then I'll start forgiving for a thousand or something like that. It's not numerical, right? This is uh this is a comparative statement. He's saying I'm a thousand times forgiving and three times punishing. Hmm. And so, yeah, my punishment is serious. It's three, four times serious but man my grace is so much better it's a thousand times serious and like so that's what he's saying right um that so it's not that like oh well israel's children were supposed to be punished cuz that's the first generation after them we right. got we got two or three more generations right, right, of punishment right, right. coming no <laughs> god is a thousand times more gracious than he is punishing but that doesn't mean his punishment goes away entirely he still
1: right. he still punishes he still the guilty, punishes the guilty. he still also, he also pardons the guilty mm-hmm. as well
0: yeah and then here in in, in numbers 15 we see some uh some echoes of what's gone before, just like we did with the, uh, the, the equal and appropriate punishment. Um, so in numbers 15, we have rules given not only for, um, an Israelite citizen to make sacrifices, but right. also for the aliens, right? And for, they're what we
1: know that part of the reason everyone's grumbling is because of the aliens. That's right. The, 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 the rabble the from eleven yeah, four. So yeah.
0: the rabble, the non-Israelite rabble from eleven four, and then the Cushite, uh, Cushite wife of Moses we talked about from twelve right. one. They're now included in able to being able to make sacrifices at the temple. Right. They're brought into the core of Israel's worship. Yeah. You want to talk about grace in this moment? Here it is. Not only are the Israelites allowed to come into the center of God's worship, approach the temple and make right. sacrifices. Now aliens are allowed to come in. Right. Foreigners, which is a picture of the gospel uh, going out to all nations. That, that Jesus the intercessor mm-hmm. intercedes
1: after judgment,
0: women... And Gentiles yep. worship the living God. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then um, he talks about these will be uh, these will be a blessing to you and a commandment to you throughout your generations. So we we were just talking about generations, right? Right. And this is a picture of his forgiveness going forward. That um, he does condemn the guilty for three and four generations, but shows compassion to a thousand. Um, the older generation, yes, will die in the wilderness, but God will show compassion throughout Israel's generations. He will not give up on them. Yeah. Just like he didn't give up on them here. And then um, he says, uh, he talks, as he's talking about some of the offerings, you see a lot about the fire of the Lord coming out. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. it's an offering to the fire of the Lord. This is a, is a reversal of what happened in numbers 11, two to three, when the fire of the Lord burned up the rebels from the rabble is instead of right. God's fire going out and killing people. Yeah. Now he says in the sacrifices, my fire is going to go out and consume it instead. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Chapter 15 is full of hope and promises right. and goodness. And then finally, um, chapter 15 again and again and again, we'll talk about sacrifice as being a pleasing odor to the Lord. Right. Right? Which um, numbers uh, 11, uh, 10, and 12, they all talk about the anger of the Lord. Um, when that happens, when God gets angry, his nostrils open up in anger. Yeah. Blaze hotly. It, yeah. yeah, and he's smelling the, the, the wrath that's coming. And it's good because he's holy. Right, and he's doing the right thing, but now it's the offerings that are providing that aroma, mm-hmm. and and so when we get to the New Testament, we see that Jesus is the pleasing aroma before the Lord, yeah, uh, that because he is the one who's like the offering that bore our wrath. So anyway, it's just interesting how Numbers fifteen, which is this seemingly random collection of laws, just plopped down in here, is pulling on so much of the rest of Numbers, um, and it's here very intentionally, and and like it's crafted very, um, yeah,
1: perfectly. So. Anyway, in which it makes sense, like you said, like we have here, not just the response to their punishment in the laws, mm-hmm. but also hope. Hope, which is why Paul, when he said in Galatians three nineteen, can you pull that the full yep. verse up? Mm-hmm. He says, like these laws were added for transgressions until uh, I don't know the rest.
0: Yeah. So why then the law? Why is why is this here in in numbers fifteen for yeah. instance? It was added because of sin, because right. of transgressions until. The offspring should come to whom the promise has been made. He's talking about Jesus. Right. He is the offspring, the promised seed from Adam and Eve. And it was put in place, the law, the law was put in place. And even
1: just mm-hmm. the offspring of Israel, mm-hmm. like the next generation. He is the next generation who will enter into the promised land. For us. For us, right. We are, are. Yeah,
0: Yeah. exactly. Uh, the law was put in place through angels by an intermediary. So he's, he's talking, talking about, about Moses and Mount Sinai and all that stuff that occurred. Um, and uh, now an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. I don't... uh, We're off topic now with that. (laughs) Well, wait,
1: he's saying like you need... An intercessor. intercessor. Yeah, I guess we're not off topic. It's like the the law was for transgressions, Mm. was put in place because (gasps) of transgressions. Oh, yeah. But once Jesus comes as the final descendant of Israel, he acts as the better intercessor. The better intermediary. The better intermediary who can forgive the right. entire nation and, and why bring them in
0: and why can he do it it's because what, he's one god because he's god because our mediator
1: medi- intermediary is god himself right yeah and he takes on all the punishment of guilt mm-hmm. so that he can extend all the pardon of his mercy it's amazing so
0: um i guess if we were to to end this episode rightly mm. we would say um do not uh, let your heart be hardened toward trusting god Jesus has done all the work for you. He has opened up the way into a new and better promised land. Put your trust in Him.
1: He's interceding for you. He's
0: interceding for you
1: perfectly. The land is yours. Go take it. Right. You do not have to be worried. You don't have to worry that there's punishment coming for you. Right. Because it's already been paid. Yeah. And there's no there's no giant in the land. There's no death before you. No trial that you could
0: face that Jesus is not taking care of. Like not saying that your life will be perfect, but but they will not get victory over you. The Nephilim done. of the our lives. Nephilim of our lives. They're gone. Yeah. They it, cannot stand. It's beautiful. So have faith. Enter the land. So like this is, and the land will be for us in what Hebrews was talking about when it's pulling on this story is when we go before Jesus, like either when we die or he returns, that we must keep our faith until that day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, I mean, my plea for anyone listening is don't lose heart. Don't lose faith. Trust that the work is done and enter the Sabbath rest earned by Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Spoken Gospel podcast. Spoken Gospel is a nonprofit dedicated to creating free gospel-centered media that speaks the gospel out of every corner of scripture. So to join us in our mission and view our resources, we invite you to visit SpokenGospel.com.